The AMA Moving Medicine podcast highlights innovation and emerging issues that impact physicians and patients today. I'm your host, Todd Unger, Chief Experience Officer at the AMA. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's Moving Medicine video and podcast. Today, we're talking to Dr. William McDade, Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer at the Accreditation Council for Graduate Medical Education, or ACGME, in Chicago, about the importance of incorporating health equity in resident education. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Well, Dr. McDade, ACGME has just enacted several common program requirements addressing issues of diversity, uh, equity and inclusion. Can you explain, give more background about those requirements? Well, thanks very much for asking, Todd. Yeah, there's a new common program requirement, which means every residency program and fellowship must engage in this activity. And it's to, to engage in a mission-driven, ongoing, systematic approach to increasing diversity and inclusion, which applies to residents and fellows, faculty, other GME staff, and um, any other academic personnel involved in the GME program. The rationale behind the, the workforce solution to problems that we see with respect to healthcare disparities, health inequities, is really that one, that we don't have enough physicians who are from those communities that bear the greatest brunt of the health disparities that we see in our country. And because of the way that we practice medicine in the United States, it seems as if people prefer physicians of their own race and ethnicity speaking their own primary language, and they go to those people disproportionately. If you look in primary care medicine, the ratio or the odds of you actually seeing a black physician or black patient, if you are a black physician, are almost 40 times that of white physicians seeing a black patient. If you look at data for across the board in medicine, as the Cambridge Health Alliance did, um, the ratios are 23 and a quarter times greater if you're a black physician seeing a black patient than if you're a white physician seeing a black patient, 19 times greater if you're a Latinx physician seeing a Latinx patient, and about 26 times greater if you're an Asian physician seeing an Asian patient. William Julius Wilson, the Harvard sociologist, would argue that we live in hyper-segregated communities, and I think that has something to do with the propensity to see physicians of your same race. But I think there's also something additional with racial concordance, in that physicians and patients of the same race and ethnicity have better communication. They have greater degrees of trust. They have the ability to actually adhere to medical advice if you're a patient seeing a physician of your same race and ethnicity. And we see the way that physicians practice as well, that physicians who practice disproportionately in their own communities uh, occurs because of what's called um, professional obligations and, and the way that people navigate that space in between um, what's necessary as a physician to be effective in the community and what's necessary to give yourself professional fulfillment. And often physicians of minoritized races find the greatest fulfillment in taking care of patients who are concordant with respect to race. Let's talk a little bit about the actual requirements that residency programs, uh, you know, will implement. Can you give us some background on that? You know, what are they going to be required to do? Sure. So the flexibility of the ACGME common program requirements is such that residency programs can determine how they can best achieve them. We don't really tell them how they do it, but they innovate in order to do it. Now, we've got some really good things about uh, what we do at ACGME to help. What we do is every year we send out a survey and ask program directors to give us an annual program update. Tell us what you're doing. And so we've got almost 12,000 responses now for the last two years in which programs have told us what they're trying to do to accomplish the mission of reaching diversity and inclusion goals set forth in the common program requirements. 
What we're doing is actually amalgamating those and, and narrowing them down into categories so we can develop a taxonomy of approaches that people are using to try to increase diversity, inclusion, and residency programs. And we've created a tool that's almost ready for launching that we refer to as Equity Matters. And Equity Matters is really a program to have us learn from the GME community what it's doing to reach those goals. And so we also created an award that we've now named for Dr. Barbara Ross Lee, who is the first African-American woman dean of a medical school in the United States. And Dr. Ross Lee's award really focuses on those programs that think they've achieved excellence in diversity and inclusion. And so when they apply for the award, those applicants actually tell us in great detail what they do with respect to diversity, equity, inclusion in their programs. And we've now been able to glean that information, put it into that same uh, toolkit, and now it's going to be available for the entire GME community. So they can use their techniques that we've, we've obtained in these ways a la carte. So they can then apply what they think will work in their communities and uh, then try to do the same sorts of things and, and meet with the same sort of success. What kind of resources or solutions are you providing to help programs meet the requirements? So what we're doing is we're suggesting that uh, the requirement which asks you to increase diversity and inclusion isn't an immediate increase in your numbers of residents in your programs. And I think that's the most important message that I'd like to really get out today to programs is that you can't make medical schools out of whole cloth, medical students rather out of whole cloth. What you have to do is develop them along the pathway into medicine. And for 10 years or more now, the LCME has required undergraduate medical education to work with pre-medical learners to try to develop that pathway into medicine. But there hasn't been a parallel requirement in the graduate medical education area. And so graduate medical education often thought of itself as the passive recipient of those graduates from medical school. Well, now we're encouraging those graduate programs who aren't necessarily affiliated with the medical school to actually now engage in that work with pre-residency learners. And so if you can touch the lives of medical students earlier than just the fourth year when you recruit them and, and provide potentially away electives for them, we want you to continue that if you do it. But in addition to that, look at re what research opportunities that you could offer people between their first and second year potentially, or what opportunities you could offer to post-baccalaureate students or people who are in college for research and shadowing experiences in your programs. Or you could even go as low as high school and look at, at students there and, and find opportunities and ways for them to come into graduate medical education spaces, whether it's research or it's shadowing or just mentorship. Um, one of the things I did when I was a professor at the University of Chicago is I conducted these programs, these pathway programs, where I had even high school students as early as after the freshman year involved in R1 research labs at the University of Chicago doing important research that they were now bringing in their own experiences. And what I found is that once you've been involved in high-level research like that, you, you can't go back to where you were before. And we've seen a lot of these students over the years now progress into college, into medical school, and on into to faculty work even uh, beyond residency. So it's really very, very uh, hopeful that we can have graduate medical education have a, a, an impact on undergraduate and, and pre-learners um, in that pathway as well. That kind of pipeline is incredibly hard to build, as you pointed out, but that sounds very encouraging, what you're well, seeing. It takes a long time to actually get people through, but when it happens, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. The last thing I was going to say is that half of the programs that ACGME accredits aren't covered through relationships with LCME accredited medical schools. And that means we put another 6,000 programs into the mix that can help in this work. So I, I really appreciate the opportunity to get that word out. 
Medicine doesn't stand still, and at the AMA, neither do we. AMA members are physicians like you who are shaping the future of medicine. Become a member today and join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine. What, uh, you know, what are the risks for programs that are not currently meeting those requirements that you've laid out? Well, we've been rather, um, let me say, um, easy on programs that haven't been able to do it because what we hear is that programs don't know how. And so in order to help programs to learn how to do this, we've now expanded Equity Matters focus from just creating this toolkit to really creating learning communities within the GME space. And so these learning communities are really um, going to help us innovate and de develop new things that we can use to put into the toolkit. But it's also to get the word out to the GME community uh, that this is the sort of work that we want you to do. And here's how you can think about doing it. We've created a series of fundamentals courses, we call it, and we're working on a textbook in the fundamentals of diversity, equity, and inclusion that we're actually going to have amazing authors put together um, uh, a, a nice background in what it takes to understand the problems that graduate medical education learners have in, in their systems. And it's not what they bring in as deficit, it's what the system within GME is doing that may be obstructive to the progress of learners. And, and so with that sort of background, now you can start to do some reverse ideation and think about how you can change your environment to welcome these diverse learners. And then after that, you can start thinking about how to innovate solutions to those problems that you see that they may encounter in your environment. And that, that goes from, from how do you recruit? How do you build a, pipe, a pathway program? How do you think about uh, what happens when a resident who comes into your program is, is, who's not a, a great test taker at this point? How do you make them a better test taker and put them in the position to pass their specialty board? How do you bring in a learner who, who, may, be, uh, have, who may have never worked in a, in a diverse environment and make them feel comfortable in that environment and give them a sense of belonging? So the idea of, of teaching people about allyship and thinking about holistic admissions and thinking about how to, to deal with trauma-informed um, work in environments in, in which you may be a, a, a victim in some sort of way, uh, those are the sorts of toolkits, uh, tools that we, we put in the toolbox and that we're going to expand upon uh, with Equity Matters. So Dr. McDade, we talked a lot about uh, residents, but uh, when we think about faculty development, how, uh, how will this work? Uh, with the faculty to reinforce the, the knowledge and the supporting didactics of this program? Well, well Todd, the, the resources we just talked about that are part of Equity Matters are going to be in, uh, available at our site at Learn at ACGME. They'll carry CME credit. You'll be able to engage in the fundamentals courses. And we're going to make the toolkit available to the entire GME community from the very start. Uh, we're going to build that toolkit as we continue to get more responses, as we have our learning communities offer new solutions. But what we expect that we'll be able to do is to see a, a, a thing, an element of, of education that you can work on as a faculty member. And then you can tell us how it worked for you when you implement it in your own program. And so you'll give us feedback about how that worked in your environment and some characteristics about yourself and your environment so that other people can see. And it'll be almost like a Yelp review where people tell you how well the, the idea worked in your environment. So uh, this is ambitious and it's exciting. Um, you know, assuming that these strategies are effective, you know, what do you hope to see 
you know, as your goal for changes in the physician workforce and healthcare in five or 10 years out from now? Well, I would expect that we will have very robust pathway programs five years from now, that we'll find that residency programs are involving themselves with younger learners and are starting, they're driving now into college, driving into medical school. And probably 10 years from now, we're going to see an increased size of the pie with respect to diversity. And that's what we're really thinking about. We don't want people to compete against one another and use resources that would somehow buy this resident to your program as opposed to the other residents, uh, residency program down the street. What we want people to do is to work cooperatively within institutions or with even in cities to try to increase the number of learners who come into medicine in general of diverse backgrounds. And that will be the ultimate test of success of what we're doing right now. Well, thank you so much, Dr. McDade, for being here and sharing your perspective and outlining this important new program. That's it for today's Moving Medicine video and podcast. Uh, in addition to GSEP, which is the AMA's resource for graduate medical education, the AMA has also recently launched USEP, the UME Curricular Enrichment Program that offers institutions a series of interactive modules developed to easily fill emerging curricular gaps and support tracking of medical student progress. You can find out more information about GSEP and USEP, including links in the description of this episode. We'll be back soon with another moving medicine video and podcast. In the meantime, uh, have a great day. Thanks for joining us. I'm Todd Unger, and this has been Moving Medicine, a podcast by the American Medical Association. You can subscribe to Moving Medicine and other great AMA podcasts anywhere you listen to yours, or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.